Gemma Castle is the chief financial officer for Cult Wines, a global company that manages the portfolios of wine investors. Gemma, who grew up in Windsor, just west of London, England, had always fancied herself as a sports journalist, even banking some work experience with national newspapers. And following university, Gemma had a choice to make. Left university with two job offers, one on a national newspaper's graduate scheme and one on a accounting firm's graduate scheme. And obviously being slightly starry-eyed, um, moving to, to London, big city, uh, one was offering considerably more money than uh, the other. So I, I, I sold out and became an accountant. Gemma says she didn't face any type of gender discrimination during her work in the newspaper business, but felt the chill as her accounting career advanced. I feel that perhaps, you know, um, if, if we're sort of uh, if I'm in the workplace talking about, you know, work related subjects, I think, you know, perhaps sometimes um, I wasn't taken seriously. And then if a male colleague repeated what I said, then, you know, it was accepted. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Gemma talks about resilience and has some great advice on recovering from setbacks. She also talks about her greatest inspirations her parents. My mum um, has been inspirational uh, in my career. Um, she overcame a setback in her career. Um, she had a baby, me, um, and got passed over for a promotion. Um, so part-time, one uh, day a week for 10 years, uh, she did her PhD and obtained her doctorate and became one of the country's leading clinical psychologists. Gemma Castle on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. So today I'm pretty excited because I'm having the opportunity to chat with Gemma Castle, who is the CFO of Cult Wines. Gemma, thank you so much for joining us today for an episode. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled to have you here. And uh, I'm also thrilled. So you're actually, you're in the UK right now, um, just a couple uh, miles outside of Windsor. That's... uh, I am, yes. That's amazing. And and how is the weather over there today? Is the sun shining? Um... it's bright, let's put it uh, that way. Um, we've had a weird week of uh, weather. Last Tuesday, it was 24 degrees, and then by Saturday, it was down to minus three, and we had snow. Yeah, it sounds like Ontario, actually. We always say <laughs> you have to have four jackets, one for every season for each day, because you experience yeah. everything. <laughs> well, Absolutely. well, Gemma, um, let's just get started. I'd love to hear a little bit about about yourself and what you do. So you're a CFO of, a, of an organization. That's a pretty big job. Um, so I'd love to just, can we go back a little bit? Tell us about yourself, your path and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So um, I have to be honest, um, I didn't set out to become an accountant um, back as a teenager. So quite a long time ago, um, all of my work experience um, was related to wanting to become a sports journalist. I'm a mad sports fan. And I thought, what better way to combine my hobby and my career for getting paid to watch sports? Um, so um, I did some work experience on uh, national newspapers, working in the sports departments and also on uh, sports TV shows. I went to university and did a politics and international relations degree, Um, left university with two job offers, one on a national newspaper's graduate scheme and one on a accounting firm's graduate scheme. 
and obviously being slightly starry-eyed, um, moving to, to London, big city, uh, one was offering considerably more money than uh, the other. So I, I, I sold out and became an accountant. Um, so I uh, did three years of training with the accounting firm. Uh, really fortunate to have a lot of different experiences with retail, uh, sports, uh, sports team, rugby teams, uh, a really varied role in terms of the companies that I um, audited and did the accounts for. So as soon as my training was up, I moved into commerce and industry as a finance accountant, worked my way up um, in various different um, companies to financial controller level and then um, became uh, an FD when I was 30 working for an international hotel company. Uh, moved on to an independent cinema chain. My background's always been SMEs. I, I like... Um, that you're so involved so even though my remit is finance um you know at, you, I mean I look after HR now um as well you know you get involved in all aspects you're very hands-on um you know I'm very hands-on with my team now um and then I joined um Colt Wines um uh had a had a lovely conversation with uh, Tom and Phil Gearing the the owners um and I've been with Colt Wines now just over 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 three years wow that's that's great and tell us what is so what is Colt Wines what is that organization uh, Colt Wines is a, a global fine wine asset management company um, we offer a bespoke and dynamic approach to clients uh, wine portfolio management um, I think our, our success is really built on on three core core pillars that um, you know enables us to deliver uh, robust performances to our clients firstly it's our people um, we have really knowledgeable uh, team be it our sales staff uh, be it our operations team be it our marketing team um, and we're very fortunate to have a, a great investment and, and research team um, and that's supported by um, an ongoing investment in technology we're doing a lot of work with um, artificial intelligence at the moment so we're enabled to offer a very analytical approach and um, as well, um, our buying team um, have very good access to some of the world's leading allocations of, of, of wines. So, um, you know, that really um, enables us to, to be able to, to deliver a, a very high level of quality service to our clients. That's, that sounds so interesting. And actually, I want to take it, if you can, even more basic than that. Like, what does it mean to be a, an organization like Cult Wines? Like, what do they actually do? What services are you providing to clients? So a client will, will come to us, um, they'll either, uh, you know, uh, come onto our website, they might get re referred by an existing client, they might see us in, in social media, they, they might get um, referred by a partner. Um, and um, they can um, invest at various uh, levels of investment. And um, some some clients might have some wine knowledge. Others uh, might just see it as an alternative investment to maybe a more, more mainstream investment portfolio. Um, and so um, depending on their level of investment, um, you know, they'll have a conversation with a portfolio manager um, and the portfolio manager will sort of understand, you know, what they're looking to achieve in terms of return, potentially how long they might want to hold the investment for, what's their sort of risk um, level um, like, and then cultivate a uh, portfolio which hopefully suits their, their needs um, and um, obviously deliver, uh, deliver a successful return um, uh, for them. You know, and, and then it's the, the, the role of the ongoing role of the portfolio manager to, to notify the client if, um, you know, there might be um, um, you know, we might be running a campaign, uh, be it on Premier or be it Super Tuscans that they feel that their client uh, might like to to invest in. 
Oh, that's that's so interesting. So, and the wines that they can invest in are all over the world, then. Uh, we primarily um, uh, um, uh, sell uh, Bordeaux and Burgundy wines, okay, but yeah. um, we we do um, Champagne, um, we do uh, Italian wines, uh, particularly Super Tuscans. Um, we have a um, ongoing relationship with the Antonori family in in Tuscany, um, but also you know uh, New World wines um, as, as 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 well. But um, sort of eighty five percent of our, our business is is um, Bordeaux and Burgundy wines. I think that's so interesting. Um, that that's very cool. Uh, it's it's funny you get to hear so many different stories about about women that are doing things in fields that I you know I really didn't even know existed that much. And no, and actually in the wine industry itself, um, you know there are um, an increasing number of um, of female producers as well. So um, the Antonori uh, family is, is is headed up by a, a female producer. So is um, Chateau Angelis um, as 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 well. So there are an increasing increasing number of female producers too that's that's and that is also awesome um so i'd love to talk a minute about you know predominantly it probably has been a more of a male field just wondering uh even well even cfo like uh, the number of female cfos is pretty low um still and i think that's changing obviously there's a lot there's actually quite a few we've interviewed a couple other cfos on this program as well but um i'd love to ask if has has being a woman in your field has that has that had any impact in your career and by this like does it affect how you lead does it how people talk with you having a space to make just yeah interested? I, I think I was very naive early on in my career that um I sort of went into the world of finance not really thinking um that being a female um was going to have any impact on my career given that I'd actually wanted to be a sports journalist um which sort of you know back in the day you would have thought that um that would have been frowned upon um you know I was never um I was sort of you know there was never any prejudice to me I'm um, I was very well received in, in all of those uh sort of work experience roles that I had um had done and so I think maybe that uh, led me to be a little bit naive um when I was actually in practice doing my training, um, again, there was, you know, there was actually probably a, a good mix of, of uh, men, men and women. But as I then forged my career um, in industry, um, particularly as I sort of became, um, you know, slightly more senior in my roles, um, then, uh, yeah, I think I did face. Um, a, a degree of, uh, I guess, prejudice. I was treated slightly different. I feel that perhaps, you know, um, if, if we're sort of, uh, if I'm in the workplace talking about, you know, work-related subjects, I think, you know, perhaps sometimes um, I wasn't taken seriously. And then if a male colleague repeated what I said, then you know, it was accepted, uh, which is probably something you is, is very familiar to what you're 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 hearing. Um, but also, you know, if you're in a work environment and you're talking about some social things, I think some some uh, men didn't quite comprehend that I could tell you what the offside rule in soccer was or I'm a big cricket fan and I, I like American football. Don't profess to know any of the rules in American football, but I do know a little bit. And um, I felt that perhaps I had to overcompensate to kind of force myself into those those com conversations because um you know a, a lot of men probably weren't um familiar that a, a woman might might know that and maybe they felt a little bit threatened but um you know I'm very fortunate where I am uh now um I, I don't really suffer from 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 that but interestingly where I am now I think I'm the uh 
third or fourth oldest person in in the business and so I'm even though it's still a male uh, dominated um company I um you know I'm very fortunate that um you know uh, though we are actually having an increasing number of women in in the company that the men I work with um you know don't um you know d- don't offer those 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 prejudices or, or exhibit them but certainly um earlier on when um, I became FD and also because I was quite a young FD um, as, as as well to be taken seriously was, was a little bit challenging yeah <laughs> exactly a young female FD it was like how many more equal opportunities do you want on your workforce <laughs> <laughs> well and you know it's interesting too because I guess no matter what what you were going to go into it was going to be more of a male dominated field whether that was uh, just finance or, in general or, yeah. and, and then yeah, finance. Fin- yeah exactly uh, so um, yeah kind of made a rod for my own back there really but um yeah well, no, and I think that's great. It's interesting. We had a we had a guest. Her name's Ianca Jess, and she started a company called She's for Sports. And the whole premise is to to give women in sports a space to talk. With that, kind of like you're saying that people never expected that. that you'd be able to yeah. talk about soccer or cricket or any other sports. It caught them off guard. So that's what her organization does. Is tries to address that. So it just reminded me when you were talking. <laughs> That's very cool, actually. And um, it was really refreshing to hear. Um, so um, there was a soccer game um, at not the highest level, but at a slightly lower tier on Saturday where a female referee uh, for the first time uh, refereed a, a male uh, League Two um, game. And what was really refreshing was that a very old school manager of one of the teams said um, she did an amazing job, but we we don't need to discuss the referee because she's a female, and that was really refreshing to 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 hear because he was a very old school manager, and um, you, you wouldn't have expected him necessarily to 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 say that. So you know, I think things are changing, um, but uh, yeah, it's still definitely around. That's great, though. That's great to hear, um, and you are hearing more of those stories. Like I think there's a, a female uh, American football uh, coach now, right? So that's that's pretty inspiring so uh, actually I'd love to ask you then so what would you say to someone that's thinking to get into something that either has been traditionally dominated by males or they just don't see themselves fitting into that kind of place I think um just go for it to be honest I think um I I think in a way my naivety back in the day probably was helpful to me because I just didn't think it was a limiting factor uh but I do understand now that um you know, it, it potentially, in a way, is a little bit harder because it seems to be so much more of a topic um, these these days. But go for it. And if, you know, you are good at what you do, I would really hope um, that, um, you know, your ability to the job is, is the overriding factor um, that it enables you to succeed. And that being said, though, um, I think you probably have to have broad shoulders. Um, so, um, you know, don't be too sensitive um, I think is, is 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 what I would also say um, as as well, and also, you know, as per you know any any roles um, or throughout your career, you'll have setbacks, be it uh, because they're just there, be it because you know maybe you are a female or, or what have you. But be prepared to, for setbacks and and then look to overcome them. Yes, and you know that actually ties in nicely to what I was going to ask you next, which is uh, how do you overcome setbacks and can and continue to find the drive to move forward um I think for me um you know, particularly um early on in my career I, I, as I sort of said and you know sort of stemming from um, what I just previously said I was probably too sensitive and thought it was the end of the world and how was I ever going to come back from 
from that. But now um, it's being able to um, take stock, realise that you're not going to go through life, be it professionally or personally, without any setbacks. Take stock, understand, you know, what your role in in that setback was, what what other people's role in that setbacks were, and then, you know, look to find a solution. And then I I tend to overcome setbacks just because it's my manner in quite an understated um, way. So um, I would... um, literally look to 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 achieve more uh maybe not immediately uh but sometime in the future um you know that's how i overcome um a, a setback that's that's great and i think that's good advice so then kind of carrying on to that theme then uh which i think you've kind of spoken about but so what does resilience mean to you um i think it's a degree of fortitude um i think it's uh realizing that you're human um and so setbacks not only happen to you but they happen to other people um as as well um and it's coming back from it and 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 moving forward with you know the aim to 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 succeed great excellent and and now i'd like to ask you a question and this question is is one we have asked every single guest since season one episode one (laughs) um and i love it because the answers well sometimes you get really uh interesting themes throughout are always a little bit different and that question really is if you could go back in time and talk with a younger you over lunch what would you say and what kind of advice would you be giving yourself um probably um still don't understand how i'm not getting paid to watch sport on a saturday afternoon but um now i would probably say uh i think as i I mentioned don't be too sensitive um please don't try and think you're going to please everybody all of the time um because that has taken me and i'm still probably not 100 percent there to realize um i'm naturally a people pleaser um and uh, it does take me a long time to to necessarily and and even now I try and please everybody and then I take a step back and I'm like why have I made the same mistake again so I think two things really don't be too sensitive um and uh understand that you're not going to try and please everybody all of the time I and I think the please everyone is such an interesting point too because I think so many people do that and all it ends up doing is your life can spin out of control pretty quickly if you're not saying no or you're not looking at things I'm, if you try and please people all of the time, um, A, it's exhausting, and B, you're probably going to end up upsetting more people in the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's a lesson that, uh, at least for me, takes uh, over and over again to learn, it seems. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, that actually, so that is actually the end of the formal questions, but we have a few more we'd like to ask you, and basically we call it the Fast Three, and what it is is it's a great way for myself and listeners to kind of get some sources of information. I kind of build my reading la- book around it and what I'm going to read next, so, you know, it's very good for me. But uh, So I'm just going to ask you three questions and uh, interested okay. in your answers. So the first is, what is your favorite podcast or source of information? Uh, two things. Uh, it depends really on what I'm, I'm looking to uh, listen to, what the subject matter is. But um, if it's wine, um, as I mentioned at the start, um, we have an extensive in-house team. So I will always go internally or to our maybe Twitter, some of our social media feeds at Cult Wines UK. Um, we uh, publish extensive investment guides, general wine related articles. Um, but if it's something uh, more um, sort of social outside of work, a big fan of cricket, there's an amazing podcast called Tailenders with a Radio 1 DJ, a current England cricketer uh, and a, a, another guy. It, it's hysterical and it's funny and offers really good light relief. Awesome. And what are you currently reading? 
I'm reading this very cool book called Olive, Mabel and Me. Um, I was living on my own at the start of lockdown and we have a sports broadcaster here called Andrew Cotter. Uh, he uh, commentates on the Olympics, tennis, um, rugby. Um, and obviously in lockdown, there was no sport. So um, he started commentating on... Um, he sort of had a dog Olympics between his two Labradors, Olive and Mabel. He became viral. He's had over 50 million um, hits on uh, his YouTube um, channel and he's published a book now. Um, and I have a dog um, and it's it, it's a really sweet and, and funny um, book. And he, um, you know, had so much sort of gave me so much humor um, in lockdown. It's just a really lovely book. That's awesome. I'm going to I'm going to check it out. Uh, I'm going to go find his YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah it's very it's hysterical it's very clever it's very witty and the dogs are adorable as well amazing and what kind of dog do you have i have a boxer called bruno um i bore the whole company um to to death he's my baby um he's not really a baby because he's 40 kilos and four years old but um yeah he's my pride and joy amazing i I love boxers that's my husband would love to have a boxer we have a chocolate lab and he's beautiful too but uh, oh beautiful but boxers are pretty special um it requires a lot of exercise. <laughs> Good thing you live where you live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my uh, final question is, who is currently inspiring you? Uh, I have to say, and it's probably a bit of a cliche, um, but it's it's my parents, uh, really. My mum has been inspirational uh, in my career. Um, she overcame a setback in her career. Um, she had a baby, me, um, and got passed over for a promotion um so part-time one uh, day a week for 10 years uh, she did her phd and obtained her doctorate and became one of the country's leading clinical psychologists and uh my dad um he's currently suffering from leukemia uh, which has been more challenging in lockdown um and um he um yeah is phenomenal out on the golf course uh yeah you wouldn't have a clue <laughs> that's amazing i think uh uh, it sounds like both of them have pretty incredible stories and uh, all, all the best to your dad yeah, and, they, and um, wow your mom one day a week to get her PhD <laughs> and then <laughs> to yeah me, that's that's pretty incredible well well Gemma I just want to I want to thank you for taking time I know how busy you are and it's right in the middle of your day so thank you so much for taking time to to come on our show and, and chat it's been really great thank you very much for inviting me Bonnie Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. <laughs>